0: Hello and welcome to The Travel Diaries. Thank you for being here. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a travel and entertainment journalist and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. This week I'm joined by a bit of a national treasure. He's a chef, an author, a presenter, most notably of one of my childhood favourites, Ready Steady Cook, you guessed it, it's Ainsley Harriet. Now, if you've watched Ainsley on one of his cooking shows or even when he was recently a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing, you'll know he's a larger-than-life personality and on that, he doesn't disappoint today. We sing, we laugh and we chat about the colourful cuisine of the Caribbean all that and more coming up on The Travel Diaries. Ainsley Harriet, welcome to The Travel Diaries podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How are you?
1: I'm delighted. I'm really well actually.
0: I was doing a bit of research for our chat Mm. and I have to admit I had no idea about your other career before becoming the TV chef that we know and love as a Pop star, ah,
1: oh, pop star, world
0: oh. party. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it really should be the new theme tune for my podcast, the Travel Diaries. Oh, that's
1: brilliant. Yeah, get out of the streets for having
0: a world party. Yeah,
1: you can dance with your lover. She don't have to go home. Get out of the streets. Isn't it yeah. wonderful?
0: Okay, I think we should just basically re-record it. I think
1: we should re-record <laughs> that. In fact, I was just uh, recently released Caribbean Kitchen or Kitchen Calypso. And which is that da 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 Kitchen Calypso, which is uh, recently been released, so people can download that. That's fantastic. <Lotus Mustnñas> and we're going to go
0: <relentless sausage> on a journey through the eight chapters of mm. your life's travel diaries, okay. and I imagine they're going to be very, very exciting. Given I how, hope so. do <Garrido> well, you are. Then. So let's start at the very beginning, and that's chapter one, which is your earliest travel memory.
1: Earliest travel memory. Um. <laughs> I think it's probably got to be the '66, uh, the year that I was uh, not in England. So I have no recollection of the World Cup. And I was a, I was a youngster then. I was maybe, what, maybe eight or nine. And my parents were well, not so much my parents. My dad was here working. He was doing a season at Blackpool. He was a pianist, Chester Harriet, and he used to do all the wonderful entertainment shows. And he sent me a family, my mum... My uh, eldest sister, uh, Jacqueline, my brother Chester, and myself first to New York to meet my grandparents, and then on to Jamaica. So the entire summer holiday—that six weeks that we broke up from school—we spent away meeting my grandfather, who was alive then, mm-hmm. and he just had an operation. Sadly, lost his sight, but I remember going up to him and saying, "Oh, Granddad, um, can I have some money, please, to go and uh, go, go and buy a, a a fizzy drink like a Pepsi or Coke or something like that?" He did God damn it! No grandson of mine going to put money in American man pocket. Go and pick three or four fresh lime from the tree, mix it with sugar and ice water, and make yourself a fresh lemonade. Get out of my sight. Me and my brother would look at each other. Say, "Can't say." terrible but by the time we left the caribbean by the time we left jamaica there wasn't a lime left on the tree he was so right those beautiful limes that when you squeeze them you know sometimes now we squeeze limes and nothing comes out no juice comes out there you squeeze the lime and it's just like you know it's like a oh, it's like a, a volcano not a volcano that erupts but it's just like a, a waterfall of a beautiful lime juice and of course then you mix it with the sugar and you grate uh, scrape the ice off a big block Mixed it in with it, and then a little bit of water, and you had the instant lemonade. It was oh, divine.
0: That does sound. Oh, that was great. Chapter two mm-hmm. um, is the first place that you fell in love with. What would that be?
1: I think as a child, uh, the first place I fell in love with was Kew Gardens because I remember my dad being away an awful lot, but we all used to go off as a family to Kew Gardens, and uh, but it was very much a sort of spring kind of summer thing. Mum loved going down there. We'd take the chest full of food and we'd all sit around and play as a family. It's the only time I remember being on my dad's shoulders and walking around and trying to, you know, pluck leaves from high trees and stuff like that. Mm. Um, So that was one of my early memories. But on a personal level, I think the greatest I've ever felt and and the freedom that uh, encapsulated me was when I went skiing with the school and we were in Niederau in Austria, and I took this cable car I'd never done that before, and it was like I was going up into the clouds like I was going up to heaven almost, and then getting up there and uh, just learning how to ski, you know so it was quite a frightening prospect if anybody' skis, they know what it's like, mm. and then getting to the top and this expanse of white mountains and it was just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, and we went above the clouds. And it was blue up there. It was like another land that you were in. And I'm just I'll never ever forget that feeling. And that was my fix for skiing. And yeah. I've been a skier ever since. Really? I, yeah. And that was uh oh, that was fifty years ago, believe it or not. So it was um it was the most wonderful feeling. So very, 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 very special. Mm.
0: Chapter three is the trip where you learn the most about yourself. What do you think that might be? I think
1: that's you know, learning the most about yourself, it's quite a its quite a difficult subject. It's quite difficult because people... Sometimes you, we're not even conscious of the fact that we're learning anything about ourselves. Yeah. We're not aware of it. Um, and it's when you come back and reflect that you suddenly realise, wow, I discovered that, you know. I am know a little bit more about me now. And uh, a lot of people don't realise that until... Mid age, sometimes, I was uh, very fortunate to go on one of those Interrail travel things, which you have to be under twenty four or something to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I actually left my job. I was cooking um, in the uh, Shrine Palace Hotel, and I left that job to uh, go travelling with my friend Charles. And um, wow, it was just made me. Um, just made me realize how invaluable the friendship was but more important being away from having the comforts of home being away from he came from uh, i'm still very close to that greek family actually the scudamores but i was around their house he was around at my house we shared each other's life the house was always clean the food was always cooked everything was provided for this is the first time uh, even though he'd been to university and i was sort of busy sort of learning how to cook and stuff like that but it's the first time we've been away separated for a whole month from our people from our environment Mm -hmm. and discovering um you know that 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 beautiful thing about you know they're saying that silence you can always tell when you're very close with someone because silence is not uncomfortable yeah. that moment when you're both there you can look at each other you can have a looking out the window you can look back at your mate you smile at each other they don't have to say anything there's just that bond and you know even though he lives in Australia now married an Australian girl and his children have grown up very similar to mine you know children in their late 20s early 30s when we see each other within five minutes not even within five minutes which is just there. You know, I'm a people person. Mm. So it's really lovely when you meet people and you're talking and stuff. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You know, I've been to places where we don't even speak the same language, but we communicate, you know, through food. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. There's a, it's, it's a real happiness, a real joy, a real kind of um, spirit between people and we're human beings you know as my dad would say don't carry on as if your shit shit not stink we are lithium
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so true. what what culture would you say um, food you connected the most with
1: um what well, culture it's it's i'm I, I am born here i'm born in england i'm british i'm uh i you know and i'm come from multicultural britain perhaps because i'm living in London and I grew up with lots of uh, people whose parents were immigrant like like mine immigrants that came over I had the the Sam Philippos the Italian family who lived up the road I was always at their house I had my friend Asif Osman the Indian family I was always at their house the Scudamores I've already mentioned Greek family I was at their house the uh, auntie G and uncle uh, William Wong Chinese I was at their house a lot these all went to church next door was Ina and Andrea Stevens an English family and Mr and Mrs Clark were uh two doors down Polish family so I'm giving you a sense of this wonderful mix of different people and the way they celebrated each other's um uh friendship was inviting each other to their house you know because that was the way of extending your friendship and And it meant that I was trying all these different foods from a very, very young age. Mm. So to say, what foods I identified with, I, I, I think I identified with people more than food.
0: That's really
1: interesting. And if you identified with people, you feel comfortable you trust someone, and my mother would reciprocate that.
0: Yeah, you, so always. you say in your book how your house was always kind of alive with Jamaican flavours and mm. people coming round to mm. eat the food. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Well, it was uh, my father, again, being in the position of being in the entertainment business, meant that uh, when he wasn't working and he was at home, his mates, who most of them worked in the evening, you know, unless you do, you do a summer season somewhere, most of his mates did a cabaret uh, e- e- event somewhere or you know cabaret venue somewhere so it meant that um yeah people people came around to the house and it was really lovely and it was um my mother would love it because that's what she was all about she loved the idea of you know entertaining and uh seeing her handing this stuff out and everyone smiling and be happy and I, i've said that in the book that's why you become a cook. You kind of think someone's so people are happy and they're just eating, and I think my no wonder my sister she was a she taught she's only recently retired a couple of years now she taught cooking at school for years home economics. My brother he's always in the kitchen every time you go around there he said hello I'm in the kitchen I said yeah all right he's either in the kitchen or in the garden, you know and I think there's something really quite refreshing about that and. Uh, you know, it's what we're passing on. Is we are we, not we're, we're not even aware that we're doing it. Yeah, it's a legacy. But, you know, yeah, it's just it's legacy. It's kind of um, you know, it's just part of our lineage, really. You know, so
0: nice. Yeah. Chapter four is your all-time favorite destination.
1: All-time favorite destination. Ah, thought about this a lot, and um, I say a lot in the in, in the fact that it's one of those things that we find ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. ...chat with your friends and say, oh, what do you really love? What, what's your favourite? You know, it's like, what's your favourite film? Well, it depends on your mood, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. What's your favourite song? depends on one's mood. depends whether you're in love, you're happy, you're sad. Do you know what I mean? It's all about how we feel that intimacy and what, what, what's inside us. And um, I think that one of the places that I went to... ...as far as travel was concerned... ...that really kind of made me think, this is very exciting... I've got to come back here, and that was Buenos Aires in Argentina. The wide streets, all the European influence. One minute the British had it, then the French had it, then the Italians had Do you know, all these different influences down there that were represented in the architecture of each train station. Beautiful wide streets with six lanes or more each side. You know, And then suddenly disappearing down to the quarters where people were dancing and doing a beautiful uh, tango and stuff like that. And, and at one point, I couldn't believe this man was sitting down with his wife, went up to another woman, danced with her passionately, and, and almost like they were the most passionate lovers going, and then said thank you in a very polite way, walked back to his wife, and she was chatting... It was, just, it was just cool. It was just okay. And I fell in love with that because I think that's really representing of, you know, you can give out love. You can be warm and considerate with people. It doesn't mean to say, I want to run off and get married with you or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Or I want to live with you for the rest of my life. Perhaps that's why I love songs like, um, you know, the old Mills Brothers that my, my mother used to play, you know. Uh, be My Life's. Companion and you'll never grow old. You've got to stay young. No, you'll never grow old. People say you're old when you get to 33. mm -hmm, It ain't gonna happen to me. No, and it ain't gotta happen. to you all oh, be my life's companion and you'll never grow? And oh, there you go. Oh, down that down. was
0: brilliant. Bye-bye. The one line that sticks out to me, though, is growing old at 33. They you... picked out quite a low age there that I'm finding a bit distressing. I know,
1: I know you're finding it a little bit stressful. But basically, <laughs> uh, every, but people in those days, um, if you listen to the song, it's about. People say you're old at 33 because it's about marriage. It's about Mm -hmm. finding a life's companion. Mm -hmm. And they think they've got to 33. If you think about when the Mills Brothers recorded that, probably back in the 70s or something like that, you know, people got married really young.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know,
1: everybody... You you, you were done and dusted with your kids by the time you were 23, 24. Mm. And so it's changed... A lot by now, I should say. People will say you're old when you get to fifty-three. But I think i a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. too old. <laughs> well, I think you we know. Could, we
0: could change the
1: lyrics So the Mills Brothers, lovely songs like that, just kind of uh, you know bring it home to me about um, you know special moments, I suppose. Going back, Buenos Aires, what a what a city, and I I love the food there. I love the uh, I like the people a lot, and so that's uh, somewhere that I love. That could change, you know, because. Suddenly you meet someone, you're with the right person or you might be with your your loved one, your children or your grandchildren or something like that and that can be replaced but for the moment it has to be that.
0: When when I book holidays, I book them based on maybe the, the beauty of the destination or maybe a beautiful hotel. Are you guided by the food?
1: Partly by the food because I think the food is a way of... Uh, telling you a lot about the culture of the people um, and um, the way they are quite often the way they look you know is very much reflected in what they eat Um, you know it's no surprise that when you go to some of these uh, Asian destinations and they can smell the dairy on you they don't like it because they don't use cream and milk and butter the way that we do you know they replace it with something else you know so it's, uh, it's, it's it's kind of interesting that but yeah, I think hotels, uh, certainly as you get a little bit older, become more important. You know, I don't want to go off and do that camping thing anymore. Uh, you know, or staying somewhere rough. Um, you know, I don't like bugs sort of all over my bedroom. I quite understand that I'm visiting their domain. They're not coming to my domain. So, I, you know, if you have to sleep with a snake under the bed, so be it. But, uh,
0: <clears throat> but we'd, we'd all rather not. Yeah. <laughs> even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cosy retreat for fellow travellers? airbnb.co.uk forward slash host thank you to airbnb for supporting the travel diaries <laughs> chapter five is your hidden gem a mm. place that you really love that maybe some people don't know is so great
1: i think most people uh would like to think they have a hidden gem that nobody knows about but for me it's just um it's I've discovered quite a few walking with my dog and I quite like it locally because if it's a little bit of a hidden gem you don't have to get on a plane for 18 hours to catch that hidden gem True, do you know I think it's something that you want to regularly see and that could be Wimbledon common for me when in the middle of the uh, or late morning early afternoon when hardly anybody's up there and you're walking with your dog and there's not a soul in sight there's a uh, I think it's Carnivaro Park, which is up near Wimbledon too, right on the top of Wimbledon Hill. There's a park that used to be someone's home and family used to live there. And you walk into the park, you think it's nothing. And so Hotel Duvan is right next door. And there's an entrance to the park and you walk down there. It's wonderful. There's an open air theatre there, which they put on plays in the summer. I think they've got Midsummer Night's Dream down there. But fabulous place to walk your dog.
0: And how about um, for your new show and your book? You have the best job in the world travelling around mm. the Car- Caribbean. Mm. I mean, the dream. Some people lump the Caribbean into just one lump of mm. islands when they, as you say, are so diverse. Oh, yes. So were there any places mm. that you kind of feel don't get the recognition that, or a place that doesn't get the recognition it deserves in, in the Caribbean? Yeah, I
1: hear what you're saying. Um, somewhere that doesn't mm. get the recognition... I think everyone has its... Uh, our island has its own identity. Mm. You know, that you, you're right. People do, you know, say, right, they put a stamp on it Caribbean or they put a stamp on Africa. Well, look how many countries there are there. Put a stamp on India. It's 53 different or 55 different states in India. Yeah. And each of them have their own kind of style of, of, of cooking, their own curries. And then... Mm. It's almost like putting a stamp on Europe and saying, oh, it's Europe." Well, look how different the Italians are, the French are, the Germans are, the Swiss are, we are, and uh, long may it last. But I think that um, I think the Caribbean is very much in that same mould. It's each island has its own warmth and its own style of food and it, people with their own characters, their own personalities um and it's it's lovely to to talk to them they, they have warmth in their smile they you know I, I, there was a lovely thing that an old gentleman told me once he said uh, when we communicate with people and you look most of the time they only allow you to see their eyes he said and that will tell you a lot about them but if they smile at you that tells you a little bit more if they show their teeth that reveals so much more and if they laugh with you, open their mouth. They're opening themselves up to you even more. So you are getting different layers of people allowing you in. And when you get that, ha, 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 and you're sharing that moment with each other, you it, it's almost like the, the, the chemistry. It's okay. You've broken down the barriers because yeah. the laughter's there. You think of tight-lipped people just looking at you, and not revealing anything, not saying anything, just opening up. Fantastic, yeah. And that is what you get in the Caribbean a lot of. Yeah, man, this man, where are you from? You know? <laughs> and it happens quite a lot. And I think that that's, that's the warmth. That's what I certainly uh, felt. Um, is there only one particular island? I think, again...
0: Is it like picking between like, your children? Well, it is because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a people
1: person. And, and I think if you've got that, that people connection, then I think you naturally just warm to, to people. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, I have relatives in Barbados. I have relatives in uh, Jamaica, obviously. Um, so you might think it, it's, it's easier. But I met some wonderfully warm people in the small island of Dominica, which was so raw, it was unbelievable. And they say that if Christopher Columbus went back to the Caribbean archipelago, I think they, they, they call that the group of islands, um, the only place that he would recognise would be Dominica because it's so untouched right. and there's still trees there that are 400 years old that were there when Christopher Columbus first arrived there all those hundreds of years ago you know, know no traffic lights there and lovely warm moments like when the guy's driving you around the street taking you to your hotel he said I know what no, about here is the um the police, dear, Sean, but we call it the police hotel. I said, well, why is that then? He said, well, they don't do nothing. No crime, no traffic offence, nothing. She <laughs> says, they just sit down all day like them in a the hotel. I thought it was very <laughs> lovely. Very uh, lovely. I love
0: that. Chapter six is the place you'd never go back to. What's been most memorable for the wrong reasons? Well,
1: do you know what? Um, it's not land. It's not terra firma. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an indication of where I'm going. It's the ocean. Uh, I'm not very good in the sea. I, I swim mm-hmm. as long as I can put my feet on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, but I have been on trips before and I've been on boats, and people say dive off the edge or jump off the edge and go into the sea. Well, it just don't mix with me. As soon as I get in, for some reason, I panic. Mm-hmm. So it's an area that I've decided that I've uh, got older that I just don't want to, to visit because um, I respect it. I so respect it. And dear old uh, David Attenborough has brought it even closer to uh, us now that, you know, what exists, what is in there. And um, and it's, it's quite frightening sometimes, you know, for me. I just, it's a place that I don't want to go back to. I'm perfectly happy walking on a sandy beach and going and doing a little bit of swimming and stuff but there's nowhere on land that I've been to there's places which I've been disappointed with but if there are people there that I'm not disappointed with it because they're the people give you something you know you know whether that be Newfoundland or somewhere like Ushuaia in Argentina on a cold miserable day you know um, Ushuaia is the I think it's the most southern city and next you've got Antarctica after that. I think, I believe that's the case, which can be pretty miserable and some people are looking very cold and down and you go in and you sit down with them and they give you a bit of their local kind of vodka or something like that and you're smiling and it's, yeah. it's all over. The ocean doesn't give you that. The right. sea doesn't give you that. It's unforgiving and it can be wonderful if you're a nautical genius. I ain't, so I ain't going back in that water. <laughs>
0: Chapter seven is your next big adventure. Well, we're here talking about one amazing adventure, which doesn't involve actually travel now, but it did with your fabulous book and your series. So tell us a bit more about that.
1: Well, the, uh, you know, making a series like uh, Ainty's Caribbean Kitchen was um, wonderfully exciting because I didn't ever imagine that I'd be visiting those places in the Caribbean. I think we uh, you go on holiday, and I'm like anybody else on holiday. I love a book. I love to switch off from it all. Uh, <clears throat> one or two days' adventure can be very, very exciting, but generally, it's, it's that, that's about it. I'm, I stay put.
0: You need a busy life, so yeah, you relax. I stay pretty, yeah. pretty
1: put. But then going to places like Grenada, going to Dominica, going to even St Lucia, that I'd been to before, but seeing parts, seeing, starting to understand the culture starting to understand the history of the place, what took place, why it has formed, why is the shape and the style and the character of people, the, why, it, it, it's like that. that, that's, that that's, that's the foundation of the, of the place and that's where it all started. That's where the roots began to come through and they've come through and, you know, sprung up towards this, the sky, like everything does when it grows, you know. But you think, wow, now I understand it. It's not there before. You close yourself off a little bit. You yeah. just want that sun to shine, rubbing your factor 15 and have a lovely meal, have the occasional rum punch and you're happy. Yeah. You know, there's so much more to discover. What and I, I think... loved
0: about your book was how it brought to life... Um, that it would be so resonant for travel lovers because it brings to life all the different Caribbean islands and their unique elements yeah. and the unique food that comes with it. Oh,
1: yeah. The food that comes with it and... Um, and making it a lot more interesting. You know, food's not just about... As I said, it's not just about jerk chicken. Everyone's got a jerk chicken recipe or a sauce and stuff. There's so much more. And, of course, the diversity. You know, not forgetting the vegan and vegetarians. Incorporating some of those wonderful flavours, too, for them. You know, of course there's the meat and the fish. That's just natural. But for me, life is a mixture of everything. And I think the book reflects that. Wonderful colours. I think when people open it, it's going to be that kind of... It, it's a sunshine book. And people say, you know, um, what, be your, what would be your wish list or something like that? And I said, well...
0: Oh, wait, well, that's my next question. Oh, sorry about
1: that. oh, That's
0: okay. our final chapter. Okay, okay, Well, shall we get... Sh- let's head on to it. Okay. So that is chapter eight. And that is what is at the top of your wish list.
1: Do you know what? Uh, I've got to say, what is on my wish list? I've done so much. I've travelled so many different destinations. I've met... So many beautiful, beautiful people, and I want to continue to do that in my life. And the only way I can continue to do that, my wish list, would be to retain my health, keep my health. Mm -hmm. Keep myself healthy and happy. Um, So, um, And I'm not brilliant, you know. Sometimes I... Go out with friends, and they end up having too many glasses of wine, or we end up having a, smoking a bit. And I know I shouldn't do all these things. I know it's not perfect, but at the same time, um, when I go and see my chiropractor, and he said, "I wish people were like you, Ainsley." He said, "You come in with such a refreshing air of energy and life." He said, and that will keep you going, mate. Don't worry, mm-hmm. he said, because it's all about how you how you deal with life, how you approach life, how you how you respect your fellow human beings, you know. Yeah. It's all that, that. And if you give that love and that affection, it, it, it's, it reciprocates. They, they, it comes back to you. And, you know, I've been in situations where people say, I wouldn't talk to them, they're really angry. Well, I go and spray. I see no anger in them. I see no anguish. But, if you, you know, it's almost like you're branding people before. What's that lovely expression? Don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> my late mother would have said and it's so true you meet people and you just give them a chance Mm -hmm. and so sorry to say it's not a destination it's about a a value of life a health value of life
0: words to live by oh ainsley harriet those were your travel diaries what an absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you it's been great 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 to meet you. you. you That was Ainsley Harriet. What a character. I implore you to go onto YouTube and watch the music video for World Party. You won't regret it. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then please subscribe, leave a nice rating, or even write a review. It all helps other people to discover the podcast. And come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. airbnb.co.uk forward slash host thank you to airbnb for supporting the travel diaries
1: hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official etf of the ncaa the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be